0: All right, folks, thank you for joining me. January 19th, debt ceiling achieved, and we have Ripple's Brad Garlinghouse taking the stage as the bank run begins here in the United States now. Now, you guys saw the clips going around Bank of America taking place yesterday, and we had Brad Garlinghouse taking the stage today in Davos. We're going to break it all down for you guys. Current events, cryptocurrency, and the greatest transfer of wealth in world history massive opportunity for us right now if you guys are tapped in if you can hear my voice please do me a favor smash the thumbs up make sure you hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of our content and then let's get tapped in and let's take advantage of the greatest transfer here taking place in real time on a day-to-day basis we're going to continue to break it down for you guys and show you how we are navigating this crisis i appreciate this community so much and nothing can stop what is coming in regards to the suppressed assets getting ready to take their role take their place as the real reserve currencies of the new financial system. A new economy emerges. You see glimpses of the agenda coming out from the Davos suits. And we continue to see it more and more in our face. And we have a situation that's breaking down in real time. You guys saw it yesterday with Bank of America. This is not a joke. This is not clickbait. Uh, I wish it was. But we have customers not able to withdraw their money, don't know what's going on. And it was the Zelle system, I guess, that went down. So once again, we have this, uh, the banking system's going down. And so it doesn't matter where you are. Now that we see that it's taking place in America, and this hasn't been the only instance either, right? But what we see here, once again, is that this is country by country, a a different situation developing in real time. This is why everyone can listen to this message from across this world and take something away from this. Because it's just a matter of how urgent in, is the situation in your country. Here in the United States, we've had a good summer. We had we had a good uh, fall rolled on into winter, and and then we start to realize that we're really in a difficult situation. They still don't want to define it as a recession, uh, but we can see the system breaking as it took place yesterday. Um, and now some people might be saying this is just a one-off deal, right? This is you know you know just a slight uh, issue that got fixed rather quickly. Sure. Sure, but we started to see the meetings that have been taking place here that took place in November. The FDIC meeting, which is the insurance of the, you know, federally insur- Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, whatever it is, right? The FDIC, it's supposed to have us cover 250000 in our bank. And they were just having a meeting back in November about the systemic risk within the system. And they said that 2020 was a test. Confirmed for us, a test one of many, but that it showed them, you know, who was basically gonna get bailed out, who was gonna be covered in the coming crisis. They didn't know what would cause it, but it was just a matter of time. And and so once again, guys, we're gonna break this all down. It's all right in front of our faces. If you have the eyes to look and you're willing to put in the work, see, see, it's one thing to take a look, it's one thing to understand, it's one thing to wake up. God forbid, we don't want to be woke, but we do want to wake up, we do want to lift the veil, but then we got to take action too, if we want to take care of our families. It's one thing to tell your family the conspiracy theory, it's another thing to take advantage of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. Without further ado, let's get straight on into this episode, it's going to be a massive one, we got a lot to cover, and we're going to take a look here at Cryptocurrency Market to get started off for you guys, uh, back up a little bit today, $980 billion for the total cryptocurrency market cap. Twenty-one thousand is the price that we are trading at right now for bitcoin and then we see that our ethereum is at 1555 1555 and then i'm pulling a 3913 for xrp a 39 cent xrp is today's price definitely not the real value there's a difference between price and value let's get tapped in let's understand what's taking place and let's start by taking a look at this bitcoin chart massive session please smash that thumbs up for me guys 21000 for our bitcoin you see the range that is trading within here no reason to get excited and prepare for the rollover prepare for the comeback in my opinion not financial advice but i am preparing for this thing to turn back to the downside you see that upper resistance 215k we did wick right through real quickly one 4 hour candle or sorry two 4 hour candles we wick up to 21500 but you can see this thing's getting ready to turn we are going to be coming up on that new moon of January 21st, by the way. So enjoy the bullish energy while it lasts. And I personally am expecting this thing to roll back over here shortly. Getting back into our current events, let's understand the situation completely. Starting out with Japan, inflation has hit 4% highest in more than four decades. So relatively speaking towards you know these other countries, our CPI lie that our inflation's only six and a half percent or whatever the data is that they're giving us. Obviously, Japan's sitting here a little bit less than that, but when we look here over the past four decades, this is the highest level it has hit in Japan. And You guys have been listening how we've been tracking the bond repurchasing program that the Central Bank of Japan has been, been doing, and I think it was 80-something billion we covered two episodes ago, right? So their massive program buying back their bonds and you see here that their inflation has hit the highest level in four decades now. Continuing on, would you invest in this business? Great question from Genevieve, uh Roach Dector. Probably butchered that name and I apologize. GR Dector is the handle on Twitter. Would you invest in this business? Total debt, $31 trillion. Assets, $4.8 trillion. Annual revenue, $4.9 trillion. Annual income. $1.4 trillion loss. This is the United States government. And this is what I'm talking about with the bond repurchasing program that you see Japan doing. Uh, the, the business of our government. That's that's an investment that I'm not willing to make. We had the worst year on record for the bond market here in the United States last year. And I'm interested to see what it does this year. But you see the situation. You see the financial statement. Pretty Pretty simple. If cash flow doesn't cover debt service, it's not a good business. It's not a good investment. And you can see the numbers right there. Pretty pathetic. And I am expecting them to raise the debt ceiling here once again after the DC drama dance gets completed. Then they'll just raise the debt ceiling once again. I believe it's going to be the 79th or the 80th time. We covered it two episodes ago. 80th time, I believe, that they've raised the debt ceiling now. Of course. Now, uh, of course, you know what's going on here. Pentagon fails, fifth audit, $220 billion unaccounted for. Nobody's being held accountable for, and, and it's to the tune of billions of dollars, and it's even more than that. We understand black budgets, trillions missing. Hundreds of billions that right here, right now, I'm about to show you guys later, they finally approved an audit of consensus. Well, we've been asking, since Ron Paul showed us and got us got us awake to the situation ten over 10 years ago, we understood that we needed to audit the Federal Reserve. Well, now we see here, Pentagon fails. Fifth audit, $220 billion unaccounted for. Now, but don't don't worry. Do not worry, folks. The U.S. still announces $2.5 billion in new weaponry munitions for Ukraine. So we still got something to send to our friends over in Ukraine. Do not worry. Germany stepping up to the plate as well. Germany is ready to supply more than 100 battle tanks to Ukraine. Leopard 2, Leopard 1, challengers, and just like that, it's Moscow versus Berlin once again, folks. Interesting situation. We continue to pray for peace. We continue to watch this puppet over here in Ukraine. Zelensky said at a speech in Davos that he could not negotiate with Putin. Um, I'm glad, actually, I'm really glad, by the way, that he was able to fit this into a schedule between the Golden Globes and whatever other appearances he's been making, you, you know, David Letterman, what, what all the shows that he's done. I'm glad that he was able to show up for the suits in Davos. Zelensky said at a speech in Davos that he could not negotiate with Putin because Putin may not be alive. Quote, today, I do not quite understand who to talk to and what to talk about. I'm not sure what the president of Russia who sometimes appears on the green screen, that this is him. Now, I I find that interesting. I would love to talk about, you know, who's appearing on a green screen. What show are we watching, right? Um, And just how interesting this situation continues to be. I'm just going to leave it at that, actually. But I wanted to pull this clip, which is just really interesting, because... Anybody who is, uh, you know, understands foreign policy, understands a geopolitical situation, you understand who was the aggressor in this situation. I mean, it's just clear-cut, guys. It, it, it's clear-cut, and once again, I'm not here to pick sides. I continue to pray for peace, but we have scholars here in the United States that were talking about this in 2015, folks. Check this out. Don't listen to me. I'm just some guy. Listen to this guy. Uh, This is courtesy of the University of Chicago. And um, I can't, I don't know, John Mershemeyer 2015. Let's listen to this speech here, folks.
1: Unwilling, what's going on here is that the West is leading Ukraine down the primrose path. And the end result is that Ukraine is going to get wrecked and i believe that the policy that i'm advocating which is neutralizing ukraine and then building it up economically and getting it out of the competition between russia on one side and nato on the other side is the best thing that could happen to the ukrainians what we're doing is encouraging the ukrainians to play tough with the russians we're encouraging the ukrainians to think that they will ultimately become part of the west because we will ultimately defeat Putin and we will ultimately get our way. Time is on our side. And of course, the Ukrainians are playing along with this. And the Ukrainians are almost completely unwilling to compromise with the Russians and instead want to pursue a hardline policy. Well, as I said to you before, if they do that, the end result is that their country is going to be wrecked.
0: They're going to be wrecked, is what he said. Talking about Ukraine if they tried to provoke Russia and basically uh, acted on behalf of the United States in the West that was trying to put Putin and Russia into the corner. Now, once again, I'm not saying that Putin's a great guy. I'm not saying that he's our, the, the, the second coming or our savior. I'm just saying right here, it's pretty clear to understand who's been the aggressor. Not only did we waste trillions of dollars in the Middle East, now here you see that we're trying to fund munitions, uh, you, know, you know, planes and tanks coming from Germany. And we're really lining it up here. And this, no one on this world wants this. It appears other than the establishment elite. Uh, you know, in particular, some, some that are sitting down at Davos right now, you know, they, they, they blame Mr. Putin. But it's very clear to see that economically, the sanctions that were placed against Russia, they had no choice. They had no choice, and um, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to hold. I'm going to refrain my comments any further from that because the topic is so sensitive, but let's continue on with our update here. Recession has never been such a consensus ever. What we have here, this is a survey of professional forecasters Four four quarter recession probability. So you can see right here, this is literally at the highest level ever since this survey of professional forecasters has been taking place. And um, once again, for me, what's interesting about this, I think a lot of people are late to classifying and calling this a recession, but they're, they're late to actually admitting that it's a recession. But then I think a lot of people are going to get caught up and left behind. Like Rosie said, the train has left the station because the new financial system has been being worked out right now behind the scenes, right? And and um, you can see that and you can see that they're getting us primed to roll it on over. But you got to get to the point of admitting that you have a problem right before you can fix the issue. And here we approach today, we hit the debt ceiling, but apparently we're going to be able to do extreme measures, like not send out payments to the you know federal employee pensions and uh, there's a bunch of other, you know, postal service retirement, uh, accounts aren't going to get paid out, something like that. You know, it's just uh, the, the extreme measures that they're going to take to hold us off till June is the story that we're being told right now. Right. And, and so once again, let's admit we're in a recession. Let's admit that we got to get tough if we're actually going to fix inflation. And let's also admit on the world stage that our currency is being left behind, it's not just those that we push into a corner like you know the big bad bear, Mr. Putin, but even our close allies at one point, Saudi Arabia, are now saying that they're ready to do trade without the dollar as well. So that's not a political pick aside, that's a business deal. And any person with common sense can see that and read that headline and say there's a reason why. And when you understand your history, back when we got the petrodollar status uh, and we, we basically reaffirmed that we would maintain the dollar reserve currency status with the deals that Kissinger tied up in the Middle East. We took our currency off the gold standard, so the only way that we could maintain the reserve currency was through the end of the barrel of the gun. But Mr. Kissinger, being the dealmaker that he is, went on over into the Middle East and signed these deals. You work with our petrodollar, you use our U.S. dollar for trade in your oil, and you're going to get protected by us. Well, now it's become to a point here where these allies that once cared about that deal have thrown it all away, and they're watching us go woke and make ourselves broke, and we don't even have the ability to acknowledge that we're into a recession, and now we have a survey of professionals that are forecasting a recession probability, and they're going to come out and finally admit a recession after it's too damn late. Your business is already wiped out. Your 401k is already cleaned. You've already been smacked by the time that they admit that it's a recession and that you should do something, right? And so this just continues to develop on a daily basis. Watch this. This is interesting. This technical analysis, Dylan LeClaire says, and here we go. Take a look at this one, folks. So what we have here is the 10 year, three month yield spread on our United States treasuries. Now, I know the bonds get kind of confusing for most people, they don't understand them. I've been over the past year now trying to actually understand what's taking place in the bond market and what these inversions and these yield curves mean. And so you can see here the spread between the 10 year and the three month shows us every time we've gone below this level, gone negative on this spread, we got the tech bubble burst, we got the great financial crisis. We got the 2019 repo market spasm, 10-year to the two-year inversion. And now we have the everything bubble burst taking place in real time. And we see the chart on the bottom is the S&P 500. And you see the drawdowns. 50% for the tech bubble. 57%. Sorry. I can't even read that. Is that... Fifty-seven or sixty-seven percent for the Great Financial Crisis, and then right now, this chart gets small. I need to get out, get out my glasses. We're already down twenty-seven percent. Yeah, it's already down twenty-seven percent, and uh, this thing's just getting started. And you see the level that it's gone to is way worse the inversion in the spread there is way worse than the tech bubble, the great financial crisis, and the little hiccup that we had in 2019. Now, I found this post underneath from Colin Talks Crypto. Glad you are looking at this. The clear pattern caught my eye as well. I broke it down in a bit more detail with my predictions. First, we get a U.S. Treasury yield curve inversion. Next, you get a Fed funds rate pivot last we get a massive stock market crash so i've been as we've been warning about and we try you know we were looking back every time the fed pivots the market then crashes after the fact the bottom comes in after the pivot so this is a a waiting game of of a trust me trust me bro with jerome powell who is sick right now by the way i hope that he's able to recover but it's been a trust me bro from the fed when they do actually pivot And many people are suspecting that they, I mean, they've already started the soft pivot. They scaled back the the, the rate that they were accelerating interest rates higher from 70 basis point rate hikes back down here to 50 basis point hikes, which is half a percent. Okay. And the plan is they're going to stick with that. Maybe another one or two of those and then drop down to 25 basis points and then basically hold us out there. And no Fed official is planning rate cuts this year. That's what they're saying. That's what we got to run with. But what we have here, this this uh, analysis here from Colin talks crypto was pretty good. I'm gonna play one minute of this of him explaining this. Hey guys,
2: I'm gonna show you something pretty amazing in this video. First, we have the yield curve. Every time the yield curve inverts, indicated by this red, that is the start of a sequence of events. The next step is the Fed fund rate flattens off and begins to decrease. That pivot where it begins to decrease is the second step in the sequence of events. The third step is the stock market begins to bottom out and crashes to its ultimate final low. One, two, three three and that repeats in both the year 2000 and 2008 housing crisis where we had the yield curve invert right here we had the federal funds rate begin to pivot begin to decrease the interest rates and lastly we had the final leg down or the biggest portion down and the collapse to the bottom of the s p 500. And we are at the beginning. We have the yield curve inversion. We do not yet have the Fed funds pivot, although it has begun slowing down as we just saw today in the FOMC meeting. And that will be followed in my estimation by a major collapse of the S&P 500 down to new lows that we have not seen for a very long time. I think that by the end of next year, we'll probably have the final stages of going flat on the federal funds rate and a pivot will occur where the first time will actually start to decrease and the federal funds rate will begin to decrease. And that will take however long that takes, maybe 6 to 12 more months for that. And after that point, we have stage 3 where the S&P 500 begins its steepest descent, its massive collapse into its bottom, whether that's 2,100 on the S&P 500 or all the way down to touching these double tops uh, around 1,500 on the S&P 500. I think those are our two most likely positions. Now, given that Bitcoin is so heavily correlated to the stock market, and given that Bitcoin was a product of this particular crash in 2009, and that's where Bitcoin was born, and Bitcoin has only experienced a secular bull run this entire 12 years has just been up, 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 money printing, money printing, money printing, and more money printing, more asset buying, more asset buying, more asset buying. We had one major collapse here with COVID, and that was reflected by a collapse in the Bitcoin price. So if that was any test of the matters, it did not, prove itself very well to be very resilient. And so if I believe that Bitcoin is extremely correlated to the stock market, and I believe that the stock market is going to take a major drop down over the next two years or so after we have a Fed funds pivot, and that's after we have the current inversion of the yield curve, then I think that Bitcoin has a good chance of going lower than $18,000 where we have it today. I could realistically see Bitcoin hitting $10,000, $8,000. Twelve thousand, somewhere in there. I think that's very possible, and I want to be there scooping up as much Ethereum and Bitcoin as I can because I think the next cycle is going to be utterly tremendous when the S and P five hundred does truly bottom out, yeah. and when the Fed finally.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to cut them. I'm going to cut them there. Obviously, that's not going to be part of our program accumulating Bitcoin and Ethereum during that time. But interesting, and I, I think it's a spot on analysis. Uh, fundamental thesis on investing in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Good luck, God bless. Hope it works out for you. But I appreciate that technical analysis and the great points. Great finds, guys, great finds. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be accumulating assets with real utility. I'm going to be uh, accumulating assets that have been reserve currencies in the past that actually will hold up against what we're talking about here, S&P getting smacked even further, right? Um, and, and then as far as cryptocurrencies, once again, has to have utility has to actually get something done, has to accomplish something. But I'm gonna show you guys a little bit later. Uh, the the national, uh, 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 what was it? Australia's national bank, National Australia Bank, did launch a stable coin, CBDC is what they're calling it. And I guess it is on the Ethereum blockchain. So we're actually going to cover that later. So I guess Ethereum is accomplishing something, doesn't do it very well, but to each their own. And I hope it works out for them. But remember what we're looking at here, guys. When that Fed pivot comes in, when they cut their rates, the Fed fund rates, they're going to cut them, and then we're going to expect that the market's going to bottom out after that, and we probably could meet the definition of a crash. Uh, we, we, we probably could see the definition of a bear market 20% drop. Once again, we already got smacked last year in the S&P. It was the third worst year ever for the traditional 60-40 portfolio. Worst year ever for the bond market, and the Fed just continues to squeeze us out here. And if they stick to this plan, I, I think that be spot on. By the end of the year, we can expect that Fed pivot to come in, the market to finally finish off, and then we will uh, be be starting the next bull run after that. But that that tells us that we got to remain patient, guys. We got to remain patient. Um, I would love to see things happen sooner. There is a lot that is taking place. But once again, we're, we're on a trust-me-bro basis with Jerome Powell. So if Jerome pivots here in the spring or in April Fool's Day, how perfect would that be, you know? I don't know if, he, if they have an FOMC meeting in April, but he gives us an April Fool's joke and pivots in April, right? Then Then, then all bets are off, then timeline moves forward. That's the thing, is we're in their timeline, unfortunately. Even though we know how this story ends, we know which suppressed assets are ready to pop. We know which cryptocurrencies actually have utility and have been suppressed artificially through SEC lawsuits and market maker magicians behind the scenes. Uh, We understand that they're ready to roll. But we got to let this play out, and this could take some time here. Okay? Where are we at? We got, like I said, we're finally... Judge rules in favor of shareholder requests to audit consensus. Then today we get the announcement that the United States SEC had charged Nexo, Nexo with failing to register the offer and sale of its retail crypto asset lending product, the Earn Interest product. To settle charges, Nexo agreed to pay $22.5 million and seize its unregistered offer and sale of the EIP to United States investors. Good guy, Gary Gensler, getting it done. He says, we charge Nexo with failing to register its retail crypto lending product before offering it to the public. Bypassing essential disclosure requirements designed to protect investors. You guys know, he's here to protect you. Good guy, Gary. Compliance with our time-tested public policies isn't a choice. Where crypto companies do not comply, we will continue to follow the facts and the law to hold them accountable in this case among other actions nexo is seizing its unregistered lending product as to all u.s investors so once again are, are we getting protected or are we getting uh, limited in the opportunities for the common man or woman to invest in you know and and you know nexo's solvency has been questioned and you, you know watching them navigate the crypto contagion has been interesting right? And I've never said that I trusted Nexo with 100% of my bag. I I, I said that I barely trusted them with any of my bag, but they were a platform that was offering staking on XRP. But once again, a program that competes with the traditional banking system, you're not allowed to do that. What are you guys thinking? Good guy Gary's got to take care of the buddies at Goldman Sachs and the Wall Street boys. Come on. Even the 4% that Coinbase was going to try to offer that's not going to happen. Not with Gary. Good guy Gary on the watch. Just keeping you guys protected. Don't worry, America. Now, this one was interesting today. Breaking from Eleanor Terrett, uh Charles Hoskinson from Cardano, confirms he's interested in buying Coindesk. Doesn't think it's worth $200 million, but, quote, he could afford it because he's still one of the richest guys in the space. Uh, Mike Casey in Davos to raise capital, find a buyer. Who is Mike Casey? Oh, Chief Content Officer at Coindesk. So it sounds like maybe uh, Coindesk is being pitched. And it was interesting because I just had Reggie Middleton on this morning. And he just called out Coindesk for actually, maybe they'll actually do some fair reporting. Uh, basically talking about how uh, if, if they have to get bought out or they have to switch over because they're going bust. And, you know, Genesis just filed for bankruptcy and the Digital Currency Group owns uh, Coindesk as well. Basically uh, calling them out. And so that was fun. I had a great conversation with Reggie this morning. And that's going to air tomorrow for you guys. Okay great session with reggie you gotta know reggie you gotta understand the story and we gotta watch his cases he's recently just filed a case against coinbase and then he filed one against circle and he's actually said he wouldn't break it he wouldn't break it on my show for me uh this morning but he did say within the next 48 hours that he's dropping another action i guess against somebody and so Reggie's the guy with the DeFi patent. For those of you that don't know, go listen to the first interview that I did with him. And then tomorrow we're going to uh, air the interview on primetime for you guys. So you guys can watch that one. I'll be watching it with you guys in the comments. So make sure you hit that notification bell. Don't miss that one. But once again, he was calling out Coindesk. And uh, apparently Charles flexing a little bit today because apparently he's still one of the richest guys in the space. Talking about buying CoinDesk, which I think is interesting. You know, I think um, once again, uh, we got we got a lot of talk in the cryptocurrency space, and we're seeing right now in this market who is you know still making it, who is still surviving. You know, whether Charles is still one of the richest guys in the space or not, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how Cardano does. Um, You know, we 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 just heard Brad talking about how they still have a billion dollars cash in one of his most recent interviews at Davos. So. Brad continues to let us know that they're sitting on a billion cash. I don't know how that compares to Charles, but um, you know for sure I hope that it works out for Charles um, even though you know there's been some back and forth between the XRP community. I don't really care about that. I just hope it works out for him. I hope his program works out. I hope Cardano gets something done and achieves something and I think that Car- uh, you know you know Cardano's an interesting project and Charles is a good guy. He's a good American entrepreneur and I'm a fan of Charles. I like what he speaks on. Um, you know out ideas outside of cardano right i don't inv- i don't own any cardano i've never invested in cardano i feel like i missed the pump that took place with it and so i've just have never gone in but at times i've considered buying into cardano just because i do like charles so much and in and what he has to say about america and when he chimes in on other issues I think that his attacks on the XRP community are unwarranted and kind of ridiculous, just like with Charles Gasparino here. These guys are picking a small minority of the XRP community that's extra vocal, extra negative, extra, um, you know, silly and missing the whole point. And I think that, as, as I said before, when I addressed both these guys last time, Charles, I think, is just jealous that Ripple's about to settle up, and XRP's going to be the first cryptocurrency with true regulatory clarity from basically not only FinCEN, but also from the SEC. So they're about to have clarity from everybody that matters, first one through the gate. And then I think that Charles Gasparino got word of the settlement taking place as well, and he's doing the cover-up story for Bill Hinman, for Jay Clayton, and because those guys are his pals. So Charles Gasparino is just pals with these Wall Street guys, with these SEC officials, and so he's part of the cover-up here. Both these guys have caught wind of the settlement, and and I think they understand what's what's happening. Um, But nonetheless, what's interesting to see here is who still does have money, who is still doing acquisitions during this cryptocurrency bear market. Continuing on, this was the news that we were talking about earlier. National Australia Bank launches stablecoin fully backed by Australian dollars. And now if we go and we take a look here at the article here from Watcher Guru, we have the National Australia Bank to launch stablecoin on Ethereum network and the Algorand blockchain. After the collapse of Terra's UST, people from the space have become skeptical about stablecoins. Nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, the space has seen major developments on this front lately. Market participants for instance have been accumulating it as dry powder in anticipation of a bull run. Entities, on the other hand, have been launching their own variants. The Australian Financial Review reported on Thursday that the National Australia Bank has created its own stablecoin, the AUDN. The same will allow its customers to transact using blockchain technology or to settle transactions using blockchain technology in real time using Australian dollars. So, once again, we have a stablecoin here that's backed by fiat. Backed by fiat, once again. Now, I want to remind everyone, uh, and actually, it it did say down here, back at the end of this story here, other prominent, um, oh, revealing the national, uh, uh, what is this? Sorry, folks, one second. The National Australia Bank, once again. Revealing the National Australia Bank's future plans, Silby said, we are planning to offer stablecoins in multiple currencies in jurisdiction where the NAB has licenses. Other prominent Australian players have also dipped their toes into the space. Towards the end of Q2 last year, Navadi Group, Quietly confirmed that its deal with Ripple and Stellar to build its AUDC stablecoin was on. Eventually, the stablecoin was launched in November last year on the Stellar blockchain. So, Ripple, Stellar to aid Novati to launch the AUDS stablecoin. I guess that it was only launched on the Stellar network. But once again, what do we see here? The perfect one two combo XLM for retail, XRP for wholesale, right? So the stable coins in, in these little jurisdictions, Australia here launching their little stable coin and and once again a stable coin. They call and it's interesting. This is essentially a CBDC, but they're trying to call it a stable coin, right? That's the pitch. And I think they're going to try to use this pitch, this stablecoin, this regulated stablecoin. And because it's issued from a central bank, we should trust them, just like with Jerome Powell, right? On the Trust Me Bro basis right now with Jerome Powell, same deal with the quote-unquote coins backed by fiat. Backed by nothing. Backed by Trust Me Bro. Now, uh, once again... We see this. This is just a perfect one two punch, though. Ripple and Stellar both were aiding Novati in rolling this deal out to build its AUDC stablecoin. And the Australian company plans to issue the same on the XRP ledger in the Stellar chain. Okay. We're building a multi-chain stablecoin service initially on both Ripple and Stellar chains. In fact, what's the great thing is both Ripple and Stellar are largely funding the development work and even some of the marketing work. So how about that? Got a little bit of money to invest. Ripple and Stellar putting it to work. Once again, though, I'm not a fan of the stable coin of the CBDC that's backed by fiat, backed by nothing. What I want to see is I want to see it backed by something. Don't just put it on the XRP ledger. Back it. Back it with XRP. Uh, put it on the XRP ledger. Back it with some precious metals. Back it with some gold. Back it with some, some commodities. Real value, please. Real utility, please. Talking about utility. Talking about on-demand liquidity. We have Brad taking the stage. As the bank runs begin, this is what you guys have been waiting for. Let's get right into it. Over half of the transaction volume now runs through XRP. This was the statement that Brad made here at Davos. One of the interviews that he did here with CNBC. Check it out here, folks.
3: About that that is the SEC sued us uh, around the question of is, is XRP a security at the end of 2020. And I'll admit, the, the beginning of 2021 was a, a stressful Q1. Was a stressful quarter for sure because you now have a lawsuit uh, in the largest economy in the world, and you didn't know how your existing customers would react, let alone new customers. And what we have seen since then, it, it particularly non-US. You know, well over 95% of the customers we've signed in the last two years are non-US. Uh, our activity is growing more and more outside the United States, and it's because you have this confusion in the United States. So. We're now processing billions of dollars of transactions every quarter, uh, and you know, well over half of our total transaction volume, because we do have a fiat and XRP-enabled product called on-demand liquidity. Over half of all of our transactions go through XRP now. That has grown. And so, again, I, we're continuing to sign more contracts, more customers, and then the co- contracts and customers we have have grown, partly because we open more corridors, more currency pairs, And so there's kind of a a nice series of building uh, the positive virtuous cycle that, that helps grow the business.
0: Now I want you to listen to that last piece, positive virtuous cycle. As I pull forward this next tweet, this next little thread that was put together by Molly Elmore. And by the way, thank you for the update, Brad. I am very happy, very pleased to know that over half of the transactions are now happening on XRP. Remember the last update that we have, and you guys have been hearing me say this in some of my most recent updates. Within the last week, I think I've mentioned this. We had, the most recent data that we had was that only 25% of Ripple customers were transacting using XRP on-demand liquidity. We have over 400 banks and financial institutions, was the most recent numbers, working on RippleNet. But only 25% of those 400 banks, financial institutions were using on-demand liquidity XRP. Now, we get an update that over half of the transactions are now flowing through XRP. Tremendous update from Brad. But I remember, what, uh, I remind you guys how he finished off that statement. It is starting a virtuous cycle. Very interesting because Molly Elmore put together this thread just the other day. Once XRP crosses a threshold in adoption for payments, growth will accelerate rapidly. Why? Due to the virtuous cycle flywheel phenomenon. Now, this is Molly Elmore. If you guys haven't checked out her work, make sure you guys go follow her on Twitter. And make sure you guys go check out the interview that I did with her. She came on to my show, and we had a fantastic session. But she put together this, and she's been putting together some great stuff, by the way, Molly. Great stuff. A thread on the virtuous cycle and how it relates to the future values of XRP. So she says right here, XRP is a utility asset, which means it can function in two different roles. It can serve as a currency to enable transfers of value, payments, and it can serve as a store of value. XRP adoption within the banking sector was held back for reasons every XRP holder knows well. Thanks a lot, SEC. However, the day will come when the shackles are released and the asset is free to serve in its intended purpose. Three, Initially, that will be as a payments currency within the banking sector. As adoption grows, it will become clear to other industries that using blockchain assets for payments is more efficient than the current system. New use cases will begin to emerge that leverage the cost and time savings in digital asset payments. This is known as Javon's Paradox. As more, and more, uh, as more and more new uses enter the marketplace, the utility of XRP gains momentum and the price increases. Consequently, market participants will see the rising price as a signal that XRP is a good store of value. Got to store your wealth somewhere. Why not in a growing asset that is steadily increasing in adoption and price? When more people and institutions increase their holding of XRP by storing wealth in the asset... They will remove it from the circulating supply available for transactions. The increasing scarcity drives up the price further as less XRP is available in the marketplace. Remember, when we try to tell the market cap bros, you're doing the equation wrong. You have to understand you're doing a different equation for liquidity value. This is the point that we've been making. When people and institutions increase their holdings of XRP, they will remove it from the circulating supply available for transactions. The increasing scarcity drives up the price further as less XRP is available in the marketplace, i.e. our liquidity value needs to to expand based off demand. With less supply, you need a higher price. It is simple maths. You guys just are putting in the wrong assumptions into your inputs on that, the variables, the supply. We're not going to have 100 billion tokens ever. If you listen to anyone trying to calculate the value of XRP working with 100 billion tokens, they have no idea what they're doing, right? Let's continue on. Molly, this becomes a repeating flywheel that builds upon itself via the compound effect and is known as the virtuous cycle. As the flywheel goes around and around, it picks up momentum and accelerates. This is similar to Moore's law that explains how continuously decreasing costs in technology lead to exponential increases in adoption. In other words, growth does not happen at a steady rate. It accelerates, gaining speed through each phase of the cycle. At some point, the adoption will approach singularity. This futuristic concept describes how advanced AI technology will eventually surpass human intelligence. Concerns about Skynet aside, the cool applications for Singularity are limitless. XRP adoption fits into that model of the future. A future point exists where the uses of the asset will replace labor, intensive industries, archaic systems, and even some advanced human decision-making. The value of XRP will follow this trajectory as the need for transactions and store of value work as competing market forces driving up the price. The virtuous cycle runs over and over lather rinse repeat if you found this thread insightful please follow me and retweet the tweet below to share with others huge shout out to molly elmore just putting together fantastic pieces of work you guys can see this graphic right here the virtuous cycle adoption of new tech leads to efficiency which creates emergence of new use cases Then the positive feedback loop of adoption leads to exponential growth via the compound effect. You get digital assets like XRP used for payments will increase the efficiency of moving value. Consequently, new use cases arise, further increasing demand of digital assets. As use grows vertically and horizontally, the value of assets go up. This creates desire to hold assets as a store of value. As store of value rates grow, scarcity of asset increases, further driving up price due to lower available supply for transactions or for your liquidity value. Opposite of a virtuous cycle is referred to as a vicious cycle or a death spiral. Negative loop that compounds to disastrous effects. Think U.S. dollar. Positive loop that triggers nonlinear growth or adoption, compounding success, approaching singularity as quantum computing power increases. Adoption of AI and blockchain technology will remove all friction and barriers to growth. Moore's law states that as technology adoption increases and costs decrease, the growth rate accelerates via an exponential curve. Sounds like a nice little opportunity. And thank you for putting that together for us, Molly. And once again, this is the exact quote that Brad left us with is that we have a positive virtuous cycle that, that is growing here and over half of Ripple's customers are now sending pa- all the payments are going through XRP. Now, that, that that's that's my understanding. That's how, that's how I understand what Brad just stated. He said over half the transactions are now flowing through XRP. And so, like I said, this is a growth. This is a double, uh, a doubling because prior to that, we had 25% of the clients were using XRP. Now we have kind of a different metric here. 50% of the payments are now going through XRP. So 50% of the payments and we're just imagine guys, we're still waiting for the U S customers like bank of America, who are saying that they're waiting to use XRP for a competitive advantage after the lawsuit completes. So we have some of the biggest, best uh, banks and financial institutions that are looking to adopt and use XRP on-demand liquidity for settlement after the case is done. That's part of the RippleNet clients. That's part of the clients here that haven't been able to flip the switch. And like Brad says, a large large part of how they've achieved over half the transactions going through XRP is by opening up more corridors for their on-demand liquidity product. Fantastic to see. And this is the type of announcement that we were waiting to come out of Davos. And this isn't going to be touched by the mainstream media. This will be hyped only in the XRP community. The haters are still going to say that the RippleNet clients aren't using XRP, which is false. Brad just told us. Half the payments, half the transactions are now going through XRP. The haters are still going to be in denial. The haters still never listen to Brad Garlinghouse while they spew nonsense, calling XRP uh, centralized, calling Ripple a fraud. I I mean, how, how can you pull up on stage with the central banks? And I'm about to pull up more clips from Brad at Davos here in just one minute, but let's continue on at this point. How do you get on that stage if you're not doing the real deals? A little bit of speculation on the case. Here we go. Bill Morgan, one of the lawyers that's been chiming in, says, Just my opinion. But Brad Garlinghouse saying that matter will go to a judgment and saying he is confident on the law and the facts does not mean it will not settle before Judge Torres decides the summary judgment motions. What he should say, are cases weak or we need to settle. Give me a break. Brad is posturing. Keeping pressure on the SEC, I had a trial this week that settled halfway through day one. Gee, wouldn't that have been nice? And that's what we were all expecting, right, for this Ripple vs. SEC stage lawsuit, was for the settlement to come through two years ago. Here we are, two years and two months later, Brad tells us as he's speaking at Davos. That half day involved an initial appearance before the judge to tell him the parties were talking and having recess, a further appearance to tell him that it had settled. I often attend mediations in which a party says there is no way this matter will settle only for it to settle. Matters often look like the dispute is intractable and won't settle until it does, until it does settle. And once again, we just saw that Nexo announced the settlement with with Gary Gensler today. And I didn't even know that Nexo, I thought they were being investigated. I mean, questions were coming in about their solvency. I didn't know. Maybe I'm missing that. I probably would have covered if if that had been dropped, but I didn't even know that they were in talks, right? And then we just get this announcement that Nexo was settled for $22 million and they're no longer going to offer their earned product. I'm sure I did cover that if that was announced. But like Bill's saying in this point here, right, this could just come out of the blue. And we've been waiting for that. We're going to continue to wait. Um, it does feel like we're close, though. It does feel like we're close. And once again, we just continue to point out the fact that Brad continues to show up on stage, show up at Davos, looking looking, looking fresh, looking clean and classy as always in his presentation. In the script that he was rolling with, uh, the marketing team lined him up with a perfect script. And it was a very clean presentation from Brad. I'm about to play a little bit more. But once again, we do think that Brad may be posturing As if they aren't negotiating settlement behind the scenes. As if Ripple hadn't been going to the White House and hadn't been sitting down with Jay Clayton back in 2018 before the lawsuit got filed, right? So, let's continue to watch that one. Let's get into some technical analysis here, guys. This is looking very interesting. And Dark Defender tells us that the the engines will be running again shortly. We're looking... XRP in the four-hour time frame. We have the RSI breakout and above the clouds. We got the Ichimoku clouds coming in here. A little bit of the technical analysis. And this is the funny part for me, guys, is you look, any of the technical analysis, Ichimoku clouds, RSI, I mean, all these different indicators that the TA bros work with. Shout out to the TA guys that always give us something to work with and always give us some hype XRP charts. We love that. We have the RSI breakout above the clouds and, and we see here that we have short-term resistance at $0.44 cents and $0.55, cents, but he says that we will have engines running again shortly. And this is my point, is that anybody who takes a serious look and isn't biased, isn't an XRP hater, sees the same thing that we're all seeing, right? which is major upside potential coming in. Now, take a look here at this one. We're going to zoom out now. XRP fractals matching up 2017 and 2023. This one from Ben XRP. And he says, isn't that the same as 2017? Take a look. Here's our chart. Now you see if we match this same move, which golly, that fractal looks so damn close. Looks so damn close. We were traced back here, getting ready to take off. That's nearly an eight. Thousand percent upside move from this level that he's measuring out. So we're talking about thousands of percent potentially, which would take us up to a $25 XRP. Now, as I say, the conservative guys, blockchain backers, one who's going to pull up the 4.236 Fibonacci extension and he's going to show you the XRP is going to the seven to eight dollar level. A little bit more conservative, full extension. And I don't know if he's changed that actually. I haven't watched BC Backer lately, but I know that last time I did, which was months ago, he was, you know, uh, the most recent work that he's put out on XRP, from my understanding, is still the same deal. Upon breakout, 4.236 Fibonacci extension takes us to about the $7, $8 level. This gentleman right here showing us same fractal, same move, a little bit more extended out, takes us to the $20 level, right? And so, once again, guys, Brad. Reiterating the point that he doesn't care about the short-term price moves. He's not caught up in in the day-to-day moves, in the day-to-day trades, in the day-to-day manipulation, in the day-to-day drama, in the questions of insolvency and bankruptcies and scams that's taking place in the rest of the cryptocurrency space. Everyone freaking out. I mean, Brad isn't breaking a sweat. Shows up in a beautiful suit wearing his Ripple socks and he's sitting on stage with the central bankers. Not just doing some little cute deal sitting on stage with the central banks. I'm about to show you guys here one second. Before we do that, we're going to give a little shout out here to Peter Schiff. I always love Peter, even though he's, he's kind of against crypto. He's finally come around and now he says that, you know, basically if crypto gets backed by gold or if it has some real utility, he acknowledges that distributed ledger technology, blockchain's pretty damn important and it definitely would help gold become more liquid. Absolutely. But He, uh, you know, is someone that we do respect. Says gold is now trading above $1,934. It's highest price since April of 2022. Gold stocks, however, still haven't even taken out last week's high. In fact, gold stocks need to rise 30% from here just to get back to where they were trading in April of 2022. This sale may not last long. Now, for me, you guys know me. I'm not interested in gold stocks. I see the opportunity that Peter Schiff is talking about, Um, but personally, I I see the opportunity in gold as well. But for me personally, if I'm buying gold and with the silver that I'm buying, I wanna be able to take possession of it. I don't have a 401k that I need to roll over to precious metals, but if you guys do, you guys know I got my link on down below, link on my website, get in touch with my people for precious metals, they'll roll over your 401k retirement program. I don't have a 401k retirement program, so I just continue to stack silver and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to stack silver. I see the opportunity in gold. I see the opportunity in the mining stocks and the silver mining stocks too, for that matter. Right. But I currently am not making any plays in the stock market for me because it's such a small allocation that I've made to precious metals. It's just going directly into getting it physically in my possession, physically in my vaults. But why do we do this? Yes, we see upside potential. We see that gold started to break out. But this right here is why we are doing this. Bank of America running out of money. The Zell system goes down. And maybe this is just an incredible coincidence. But once again, I had to share this with you guys. This one from Bond Crip. Uh, the Simpsons never fail. Bank of America was trending on social media Wednesday after many customers discovered that the money was missing from their accounts. Now, folks, I'm not trying to create panic or FOMO or FUD, but this was the situation, you guys can go check the clips. I don't know if they've resolved this issue. I know that they were having a serious issue. I think it was caused by the Zelle network. Um, But the concerned consumers share their experiences online calling out the financial giant and demanding answers. And it's it's just hilarious. I'm actually, I'm not going to play this clip. I, I don't know if it would be copyrighted or anything. Um, but, but you guys can see it playing in the background. And this is a Simpsons predictions of Bank of America. And it literally, they show it. Bank of America right at the very beginning. You guys can see it right there. Bank of America, the Simpsons predict it once again. Sure enough. <laughs> it's just funny how it works out like that. Just to reiterate the point, guys, you guys see what took place. It's happening in the United States. So we saw it. The the third world countries, these other countries were running out of cash to buy gas, to buy uh, buy oil, to buy food. And actually, I forgot. Yesterday, I was going to make a video. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, It was a a Vice video that I watched on dealing with 100% inflation, I think is what it was called. And they were looking at the inflation crisis in Argentina. And they are basically you know have had basically one hundred percent of the value of their dollar has been destroyed. Inflation near nearly one hundred percent, I believe. And it, you know, obviously, vice is is kind of whatever, right? But it was an interesting do, uh, little little uh, like ten minute little piece that they did in Argentina, and they were going around and showing. I am going to make a separate video on this, but basically, um, the, the 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 what what the situation was, you had mom groups on Facebook. They were basically selling clothes, and obviously guys were doing it too, but basically the mom's groups on Facebook, she was interviewing a mom in Argentina, the mom's groups on Facebook had basically turned into barter pages where she was literally selling clothes for food. And and, and I don't even believe that she, it was just a straight across trade. Um, I, I don't even think that she was actually selling it for pesos, the Argentinian pesos, and, and buying food with it, maybe she was, but basically these barter groups had become so damn popular because people were having to sell off just the basic essentials, clothing, to actually feed their families, and they showed a grocery store where your bag of chips was priced at two, $300 pesos, the art, local currency. I, I don't know what they exactly call it, Argentine peso, Argentina peso, whatever they call it. Everything in the store was hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of pesos. And then they also covered how there's kind of a black market right now for U.S. dollars, which just reiterates the point that we've been talking about, right, where it's the cleanest shirt in the closet. These countries' value of their dollar is getting destroyed so rapidly that they're going to the, the most accepted currency worldwide, which is the U.S. dollar. They don't care that inflation in the United States is getting reported at 6.5% and the situation with our debt ceiling and you know Joe Biden falling off his bike. They don't care about that. They need dollars. And so there's a huge black market. They were talking with some dealer and he's he's basically moving like $20,000 worth of cash daily on the black market to people that are, are seeking to move out of the, their local currency into US dollars. And the central bank is in the government is regulating how much you can pull out. So 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 they're they're regulating how much pesos you can pull out and how much dollars you can convert to. So they're limiting people's ability to trade out of the local currency. That's why I'm stacking silver right now. So 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 when the bank does shut down or or when we reach higher inflations than the CPI lie, which is the main point, right? Is that the CPI is a lie. Real inflation for anything that matters is much worse. And so when you see a, a nominal return of gold only being up 0.2%, right? Actually, it's it's up way more against anything that matters. And if you needed to say, you, you know, uh, do some barter, do some trade, you have liquidity right here. Now, in some of these areas, like, like I, I was talking about, they're literally trading for clothes for food. They're skipping any currency. They're skipping silver. And they're going to straight from straight barter is what's taking place in some of these areas. But we thought it couldn't happen here. We watched the Vice documentary and think it's really cute. And of course, we think we're really woke because we watch Vice. So we think that we're enlightened and we think we understand what's going on. It was an interesting little piece. And we see that it's 100% inflation in Argentina. We think it can't happen here. Right? It's fine here. They're going to raise the debt ceiling once again, and it doesn't matter. Our program's going to work out. My financial advisor says, just continue with the 60-40 portfolio. Keep some in bonds. Continue to invest in the S&P that's getting primed. Absolutely dump once again further. And it's finally starting to come here. The Simpsons predicted it. I don't know how they did that, but once again, Simpsons predicted it. And you guys see the bank runs That are underway once again, but while that's taking place, as we said, major liquidity crisis, central banks going back to gold hoarding record amounts of gold, the metals exchanges and the metal vaults reaching their lowest levels ever. And who, who are the elite pulling up on stage on the big panels, not the little panels not not joining a panel with will i am like hedera which i'm making fun of them but shout out to hedera shout out to the h bar guys i don't own any h bar but that's you know congratulations you guys you guys were let in they let you guys in the back okay the hedera boys can go in the back and go sit down and i saw casper lab showed up too that's good that's good and uh, you guys did a little panel i saw hedera was doing a panel with will i am and I, and i thought that was good that's good But I wanted to remind everyone of who Brad's pulling up on stage with. Let's take a look here. This one was shared to me by Father Woody. Huge shout out. This guy's been sending me and tagging me in a lot of uh, really great stuff. But this panel was finding the right balance for crypto. And who was Brad speaking on stage with? The Central Bank of the Netherlands President Klaus Knott. The Commissioner for Financial Services, Financial Stability, and Capital Markets, in uh, the European Commission. That's interesting. Financial stability. Financial stability. I wonder how we could bring back a little bit of stability to these markets. I wonder how we could achieve that. Maybe the next speaker would have some thoughts and ideas. Brad Garlinghouse, Chief Executive Officer at Ripple. Up on stage with our final participant, Omar Sultan Al-Aloma, Minister of State, for artificial intelligence, digital economy, and remote work applications, Office of the Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates, and this is who Brad gets to take stage with, right? Not not speaking with Will. I am getting on up there with the Central Bank of Netherlands, the the Commissioner for the financial stability of the capital markets, the European Commission. And obviously, Minister of State for AI, Digital Economy, and Remote Work at the United Arab Emirates. Major, major deals. Now, I'm going to show you guys. This is the full spiel here. Digital asset investors sharing this clip here with us. World Economic Forum, Davos, 2023, January 19th today, Finding the Right Balance for Crypto. We have the speakers, Stacey Marie Ishmael, Class Not, Marie McGuinness. Brad Garlinghouse, Omar Sultan Al-Aloma, and we have here shared with us by DAI, the Brad Garlinghouse Parts. Let's play this and huge shout out to Brad Garlinghouse for representing not only the XRP community, but as I continue to say, I'm glad to see that Brad is representing the people and fighting for a level playing field. I believe that it's healthy to have a guy like Brad at the table there that brings a balance to the rest of the agenda that we hear coming from the World Economic Forum. So let's let's let it run. Huge shout out to Brad Gawlinghouse. Thank you for joining me tonight. If you guys can do me a favor, let's smash that thumbs up and let's listen to Brad chime in.
3: It's exciting. Uh, I, like, I feel a obligation to you know, advocate for, th- there are these new technologies that we can use for the betterment of economic value to our citizens, to our businesses, even to central banks, and I think to the extent we can focus on, hey, these are new technologies that can be used in that way. Like the earliest days of the internet, uh, can these technologies be used in illicit ways? Yes. And certainly we saw the early days of the internet and people called for bans of the internet. And to be clear,
4: the current days of the internet as well. Mm.
3: Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, although <laughs> there is a much louder, a uh, higher decibel level call that in maybe the 90s when people were yeah. think, more intimidated by how these technologies are being used. And I think we're seeing that play out in the world of blockchain as well. I thought it was interesting you described the UAE uh, regulatory as light touch. Said so it was I, described as light touch. Oh, described as light touch. All right. I, I actually give huge credit to the UAE. Do you have a VARA license? Was no, do we do not. Although uh, we might, I, I don't know the exact answer to that, but... We do not currently. The point They're I would working make, on though, it. They're working doing. on it. Thank you. <laughs> the, the point I would make, though, is the UAE has done the work to codify what the regulations are. I think the challenge, you know, and we discussed this before we got up here. I think the vast majority of players in the crypto space want to be good actors. But I think we have to be clear about what that means. And I think one of the challenges is, and I very much agreed with something the commissioner said, we talk about regulating crypto i think we should that's an abstract thing to say to from my point of view we need to regulate the the activity what is it that we're doing so ripple is in the business around cross-border payments our customers are banks our customers are regulated institutions you can't have a non-kyc know your customer transaction etc uh there are lots of regulations around payments like know your customer like aml anti-money laundering like OFAC compliance in the United States, it's cetera, anti-terrorism finance. So I, I think when we say crypto is not regulated, I hear that and I think, I don't know what that means. Like Ripple's a very regulated company in lots of different jurisdictions, not yet in UAE perhaps. Uh, although I don't think we... I don't know the exact status, in anyway, uh, the, the point as much as anything, I think it's a misnomer to s- describe crypto as an unregulated business. In the US, you have in the SEC, someone at the chair saying it's the Wild West. Look, there are clearly examples where that's true, but there are a lot of people doing solving real problems for real customers and taking the air and the froth out of the hype and speculative bubble that really was true in crypto, I think is really healthy.
4: I think one of the challenges here is There are actually very few people describing crypto as an unregulated business. What they're saying is that it is insufficiently regulated and that there are certain types of activities, you know, Separate out the obvious and egregious fraud, scram- fraud scams and grift. But there are certain types of activities that are either being presented to customers as potentially safer than they are, or you know the the promise of guaranteed returns when there are no such thing. Or in the U.S., for instance, um, many investors in certain of these crypto companies, several of which have now gone bankrupt, were under the impression that their deposits were insured by the FDIC, which is that up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars of whatever the deposits were would be protected, and that was an impression that was in a lot of ways encouraged by the marketing and the advertising of certain
3: types of these entities. But we have laws about that, right? And, and, and now, oh, well, frankly, I think instead of going after Kim Kardashian for promoting a... That case was you know, dismissed. But I didn't actually know that. <laughs> uh, I, I think we it, the things you're describing, and even we talked to again backstage, like if there's fraud, we have laws about that in major but jurisdiction. I think I I, mean, I I guess my comment, reaction is only what I've read. You know, I saw this week that the Three Arrows Capital guys are raising a distressed crypto debt fund. That, that made me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, look, I, I, again, I, I think about this as analogous to, OK, when a hedge fund blows up, Bertie Madoff, uh, we should look at, OK, what, what went wrong there? Why didn't we see that coming? i think what happened with ftx we is, is a, a very very similar and very analogous to what happened with madoff well sam backman fried has denied all allegations i know sorry him. yes I, allegedly i don't i know nothing proprietary of consequence here uh i think it's important that we are regulated for sure the, the point that i was making is i think the activity is what typically has been regulated regulating technologies is a little bit more complicated Understanding how a technology is being used to touch a business, to touch a consumer, to touch fill in blank, we should absolutely have laws around that, and we should protect consumers. I, I'm actually intrigued by your thought around kind of the self-policing uh, mechanisms. And I, you know, as you said it, I was saying, but, you know, how, how could we do a better job of that? You know, and frankly, one of the things that came to my mind is I think you know, the, several people in the hedge fund industry had reported Madoff time and time again to the SEC, and for whatever reason they didn't investigate. I do think, you know, we do work with law enforcement at Ripple and we do file suspicious activity reports. And you know, again, we're only working with regulated endpoints. uh, So we're somewhat unique. And I will say, I agree with you that the origins of crypto were absolutely anti-government and anti-bank. You know, the, the, the origins of these technologies and how these technologies can be used can be very, very different. And as time goes by, I think we spend less time talking about Mt. Gox and Silk Road and more time talking about here are real enterprise scaled use cases where it's not an experiment. You're talking about billions and billions of dollars going through Ripple's technology platform. Don.
1: Uh, yeah, Don Tapscott. I chair of the Blockchain Research Institute. And my question is for Brad, but anyone else. Um, why do we misunderstand what crypto is? And a lot of these conversations. We assume it's some kind of security. It's a new asset class, but we're digitizing, tokenizing all assets. So if you understand that, you'll understand that there are a dozen different types of which what you're talking about is one we're tokenizing carbon credits. Should we regulate that? We're tokenizing art. Should we regulate that? There are protocol tokens that enable people in a decentralized community to communicate with each other and to make decisions.
4: So if I understand the question, it's should we? Well, if I may rephrase the question, there is often a conflation of crypto equals everything that can right. be defined as you know, stable coins versus non-backed assets or protocol tokens or the tokenization of other forms of financial assets. What in, from a regulatory perspective are the next steps here, given that when we talk about an asset class, an industry or an ecosystem, it's actually multiple or can be perceived as multiple
3: different asset classes? Well, I, I, I mean, Don pointed the question to me, I, I'll just say, I think one of the hardest parts for the people up here doing their jobs and all the people in the respective regulatory bodies is actually understanding new technologies at a degree of detail that, it, it, to Don's point, it's very difficult to paint all of crypto with one broad brush. You have represented here, you know, where the leading stable coins in Circle, uh, you know, Chainalysis, Michael's company, you know, these are very successful, very robust companies doing very interesting things in a very regulated way. And I think the challenge for us, maybe that, that group of people, is there's so much you know, FUD. There's so much misinformation. Fair
4: uncertainty in doubt. Thank you. <laughs> You're
3: welcome. You got them all. Uh, I think okay. it, it makes it very difficult. And I actually think we, the industry, have done ourselves a disservice by being exceptionally tribal and kind of the infighting within crypto has actually made it even harder to uh, to to the chair's point to, to understand the, the, the <laughs> different pieces and parts. And look, that's why I'm here. That's why yeah. I come to Davos. That's why I'm meeting with regulators uh, because I want to partner and say here's how Ripple approaches this here's how we see the industry and I will say I've found an, an amazingly receptive audience here in Davos if I may just to, to
4: two questions because the first one is do not worry it is not all in my head but I have plenty of experts and they do know this area very well uh, we don't sit in a room we listen to industry and we reach out discipline back the flip side to that is if we do start to normalize rates again or rates start to go go down, do you expect that the level of enthusiasm, shall we say, that we saw from <laughs> 2020 to 2022 could potentially return or are there other factors at play that may be depressing some of the excitement here just a.
3: Is that a crypto question or a Tesla stock question?
4: (laughs) It is a crypto question. I have no opinions on Elon Musk.
3: I'm only asking that question. I think we have appropriately talked about. There was obviously a, a significant decline in the value of the crypto asset market overall. If you just about two trillion dollars of value went out. If you just look at Tesla, Facebook, and Amazon, two trillion dollars went out last year. No one's saying we shouldn't invest in Tesla, Amazon.
4: Actually, some analysts are definitely saying not to invest in Tesla, Facebook, and Amazon.
3: Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But I don't think we're trying to regulate in saying that we shouldn't let people invest in tesla in, like i agree that the consumer protection has to be paramount and it has to start i i some of the times i hear things i'm like well wait a minute two trillion dollars came out of the crypto market but a whole lot more than that came out of the thing is the assets.
4: overall crypto market had a maximum capitalization of three trillion dollars so it represents a much larger percentage of
3: the whole that's why i use tesla stock because tesla stock was down the same amount as the crypto market
4: well thank you everybody we hope you
0: All right, folks. What a, what a great session. Well done by Brad once again. And um, a <clears throat> couple points. So, as, as he's as he's you know informing everyone that there's already laws on the on the books and Ripple's complying with all of them. All of the endpoints that they're touching are regulated endpoints. And he says that there's already laws in place for payments. There's already laws for people that are actually committing fraud. What we need is the actual clarity from the SEC. What defines a security in the digital asset space, in the cryptocurrency space, right? Now, it was interesting because she was talking about the, the, the crypto space going bust, and she mentioned the FDIC. Well, what did we mention here earlier, right? That the FDIC was just meeting in November about the systemic risk within the banking system and about how another imminent issue w- was, was underway, was coming, right? And so, so these guys, they love and, and Jamie Dimon, you guys probably already saw the clips and saw it on Twitter about how he called um, Bitcoin a pet rock and basically said if the crypto doesn't have utility, it's a pet rock which i i mean you know i i usually don't want to side with jamie diamond i'd hate to side with jamie diamond but i would agree right if it doesn't have utility it's not worth much i would agree there right but but he knows and actually in the clip that he was talking about he's talking about how they're going to use the server ledger technology blockchain for making payments intraday payments and, and admitting that it is the future it is where they're going God forbid they mentioned that they've, you know, sat down with Ripple as Brad told us that they were sitting down at the the table there with 15 executives I think from JP Morgan is what what the quote was, right? But anyways, you guys are seeing, they want they love traditional banking, Jamie Dimon, um you know, even the Peter Schiff's of the world everyone wants to go after and not this panel they're trying to attack the cryptocurrency space for being insolvent. But we just covered earlier in the show and we got, we showed you guys the clip of the meeting that took place in November of the FDIC members talking about the insolvency or basically talking about the systemic issues within the banking system. Now, he also says, why didn't we see it coming with FTX? Once again, there was many hedge funds, many people reporting Bernie Madoff, but they didn't see it coming. Or did they? And they decided not to do anything, right? Which is what Brad's really getting at. And this is the thing is that Brad has so much ammo to work with at his disposal, but it, he does it in such a classy, respectable way, right? He, he does it in such a great way. And then he talks about the real enterprise solutions that are being developed right now by his company, right? Uh, amidst all of the rest of the nonsense in the space, we got real enterprise solutions. We're showing the space how it's done. And then what was interesting is he mentioned, um, they mentioned Circle. Which I thought was interesting is that he mentioned, you know, out yeah, circles a regulated entity, how they're, you know, on the up and up kind of, and he's alluded to them in the past too about Circle being being, you know, legit basically. Well, we've long pointed out and talked about the potential for USDC to be that privately issued stablecoin, um, or or one of them for the for, for that matter. So that's very interesting to see with Circle showing up there, Brad mentioning once again that he respects kind of what Circle's doing. But, big but, my good friend Reggie Middleton, <laughs> as I spoke with him this morning, he had already sued Coinbase for infringing on, upon his patent, and he most recently just sued Circle for infringing upon his patent. And then in our session this morning, he talked about how most stablecoins coins. In his opinion, in the opinion of his legal team, they do infringe upon his patent. And so he has filed a lawsuit against Circle that is, you know, that Brad just mentioned there sitting at Davos. So that was very interesting. And then I actually did actually talk about uh, Reggie Middleton did go to Davos back in 2019. He has a little clip on his YouTube that he shared of him actually, you know, kind of getting into a little bit of a back and forth debate with Nurel, uh Rubini and so that was that was pretty interesting to talk with reggie about that but yes reg uh, reggie talks about his his you know patent and how circles infringing upon it and i said uh you know not the great session with reggie but i said that i wanted to get him back on after we get an update on the lawsuits because what we have right now is coinbase has asked to just dismiss the case. They've they've requested to the judge to just dismiss their case, and I'm you know probably expecting the same thing coming from Circle, but I wanted to hear from Reggie. Uh, I hope to get him back on the show once we do get an update on what the judge rules. You know, is, is she gonna he or she gonna dismiss the case? Are they gonna hear it? It's, it's just a huge bold claim that Reggie's making, and it's something to watch for sure. But bringing it back once again, Brad talking about. The, the, the amount of regulators that they've been trying to work with, that they've been trying to be transparent with, right? But then they still get sued by the SEC. And then the final point that I wanted to make from that session was the, the, the guy that was asking him the question, talking about tokenizing all assets and how you can't just paint Brad says, you can't just paint the whole industry with the same broad brush, right? You have different use cases, different utilities, different ways that these projects were created, different ways that these technologies are, um, uh, that, that they actually come to consensus, right? And, and, and so once again, just to reiterate the point that the the conversation that's happening at Davos is about tokenizing all the assets. and. I just find it so interesting that Brad's once again sitting up there next to the president of the Central Bank of Netherlands and now we know Ripple tells us that they've already spoke with 50 central banks. Then uh we we hear from Brad at Davos that over 50% of the transactions that are happening on RippleNet are now going through XRP. So a fantastic representation once again from Brad house at Davos. We love to see it. And quite frankly, shocking data. I I didn't expect that. I didn't, you know, we see that on-demand liquidity is growing at a record, you know, rate eight, nine times year over year. That's fantastic to see. We continue to see that they get banks, you you know, financial institutions continue to come partner up with Ripple, multiple central bank digital currencies already built on the XRP ledger, already sitting at the table on multiple foundations, associations for digital dollar, digital euro, digital pound, and others. But, once again many people in a tough situation in a bear market recession many people confused about the facts many people uh filled up with fud about the cryptocurrency space many people see a 38 what what was it at what 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 is xrp at right now 39 cents that's right we had gone back up 3915 for our xrp so many people see the 39 cent xrp Without seeing, without listening to Brad Growinghouse, without listening to the clips that he just dropped, which is major, over half the transactions now taking place on XRP, because they're caught up, they listen, unfortunately, before they could get to the truth, before they could get to this platform, they're listening to the Bitcoin, Ethereum, Maxis, who tout nonsense about XRP being centralized, about how none of the Ripple partners are actually using the XRP ledger, are actually putting XRP on their balance sheet, and it's the complete opposite. And like Brad said, we've started this positive, virtuous cycle that is underway. And it just reaffirmed everything that we, we, we've been putting together for our investment thesis to see Brad's presentation once again, a class act. And the timing of this Davos meeting. They talk about the threats of major, major cyber attacks underway. But then we also see that the bank runs have started and we see some issues taking place in this banking system, issues with Bank of America that took place yesterday, but we've already seen others as well, right? All while Brad meets with the officers in charge of stability of the markets, the president of the central banks, you know, people in charge of regulations in the UAE, and we get just just another class act from Brad. While the rest of the space is falling apart, going away, praying that they can recover. Uh, It's just, just, once again, reaffirms everything that we've been talking about. Now, folks, uh, we went long on this session. An hour and 22 minutes full update for you guys. I hope you guys appreciated this session. If you guys can do me a favor, please smash that thumbs up on the way out. And I want to reiterate the point. When these banks don't got your money, what are you going to turn to? It's been Precious Metals for us. And it's been talking about prepping and essentials. It's been about having prepping webinars in our Discord group, talking about how we're prepared to, you know, we watched the Vice documentary in Argentina how they're dealing with one hundred percent inflation. It might not get that bad here, but we've been talking in our group, you know, for over a year, two years now. We've been talking about establishing relationships with your local with your local rancher, with your local local farmer so that you can get you know, you know know uh, good, clean food, but you also can get that meat that the World Economic Forum is telling us a billion people need to give up meat. I was gonna pull the clip, I had it saved in my bookmarks for you guys, but that's what's coming out from the agenda. So I, I love what I hear from Brad. I, l- I love what I hear from Brad, that's great. But the rest of the agenda, the rest of the speakers that they get up in there, in their little group, are talking about a billion people giving up meat. Biden, White House, talking about giving up natural gas stoves. Not willing to admit that we're in a recession. And this sets up the average person to get slaughtered because the Wall Street shills, their their, their, their 401k brokers, that are broker than you, that got something to sell you, are going to keep you in the Wall Street program. (laughs) What? The Wall Street program that's going to wipe out your 401k and your savings, and then the dollar that they tell us is only inflating at a 6.5% CPI lie. Yeah, thanks. We're not we're, we're not rolling with that data. We're not rolling with that budget when we go to the supermarket, when we fill up our gas tank, when we got to renew our lease, when we got to try to buy our first property and the mortgage rates are down up, uh, up to uh, 7% or wherever they're at right now. I think they're just below 7% for most conventional loans that's not going to be the program. We're not going to fall for that lie. No, no, absolutely not. And we're not just going to figure out the conspiracy. Like I said, we're going to take advantage of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. So if you guys are going to get tapped in, we've been talking about it in our discord group for two years now, prepping essentials, having a program to feed our families, having a program to store our wealth, having a program to be able to barter, to be able to trade, to be able to have offline assets, Whether the bank goes down or whether they roll out the CBDC and they want to track and trace every single transaction or whether they roll out plans to ban our natural gas stoves, ban our ability to eat meat. And that's why it's just been a pleasure to see the group, the growth that we've had Uh, just doesn't stop because people are hungry for that knowledge hungry to be tapped in with a community of other like-minded individuals. And so I I just couldn't suggest it anymore. Guys, it's down below. Head on over to my website, get tapped in with our Discord group. We're gonna be doing another. We do our weekly calls every Saturday in our Discord group. And um, like I said, we've been doing webinars. I got my business development program that's included with your Discord membership. And we just continue to try to bring the most amount of value to the people that are understanding this, this situation but then trying to get tapped in with other like-minded individuals, get tapped in with other business folks that are doing real deals, building real businesses, still investing in real estate during this time, still, still figuring out how to make real estate deals work. That's the type of people that you wanna surround yourself with right now that still have positive energy, still, still, still reverberate a positive vibration amidst all of this chaos, amidst all of this nonsense. A world that's gone mad, we're going to figure this out together. And I just huge shout out to the discord group. But uh, if you guys are looking to get tapped in links on over at my website, links on down below, get tapped in. And uh, we have the links and the affiliates for your precious metals. We have links and affiliates for your wallets and exchanges. Please take advantage of that. It is another way to support the channel. And I appreciate all of you guys that do so. I am going to wrap up this session. Okay. I appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight and I will see you guys tomorrow in the next update. Okay. God bless all of you. Thank you so much.